1: Good morning, Octotex listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of the Best of Times News, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. Thanking those listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com as well as listening on their iPads or iPhones via the radio pup application. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn from a noted expert, on the John F. Kennedy assassination. So stay tuned in the show for some very interesting information it is Saturday November 30th and we are broadcasting our radio show today from the studios of news radio 710 keel a town square media radio station here in Shreveport Louisiana however today's radio show has been pre-recorded so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners be sure to pick up the December issue the best of times at one of our 528 distribution locations beginning on December 1st again if you can't find a copy remember you can visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues of The Best of Times. Center Stage of Louisiana hosts the performance of Tarzan the Musical on December 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Emmick Hook Center located in downtown Shreveport. For information, do call 218-9978. We are working on the 2014 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, which will be released on March the 1st of 2014. If your business, Organization or agency wishes to be included in our 2014 edition, do call us at 318-636-5510. The Shreveport Metropolitan Concert Band has a free concert on December the 1st. The public is invited to this free concert that uh, will take place at LSU Shreveport's Union Center, located off Yuri Drive. Again, it's on Sunday, December the 1st at 3 p.m. They will pre- be presenting their Christmas concert. This band has been doing this p- uh, particular Christmas concert in the area for the past 21 years. Everyone of all ages are invited to attend this free concert. For more information, do call Again, that's 865-9698. Remember to log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for listing announcements made during today's radio show as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by A-Bears, 10 country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas.
1: Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by Bears Tenning country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Also, thanking those listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Joining me on my radio show today as a very special guest is Dr. Jack gordon professor and kennedy assassination speaker and consultant i've asked him to appear on our radio show to give us some insight into the john f kennedy assassination that occurred some 50 years ago thank you dr gordon for joining us today here on the best of times radio hour
2: Hi, Gary. Nice to be with you.
1: Great, great to have you on our show. I know that you're lecturing throughout the United States, and uh, appreciate you taking that that time from your schedule to uh, appear on our radio show. I know that I have a lot of questions, and I know a lot of our listeners uh, are going to find this show very interesting. You and I are probably about the same age because I noticed in your on your website that on November the twenty second, nineteen sixty three, that you you said you were in study hall, and I was in shop class in my woodworking project. and that particular day and time uh, is in our minds and um, probably everybody's minds throughout the world on that tragic occasion of of John F. Kennedy's assassination. Is that right?
2: Yeah, so that's our generation's Pearl Harbor. Um, Everyone, um, and I was in eighth grade, Gary. Everybody, particularly my closest friends and family, remember exactly where they were when uh, the word came in about um, President Kennedy. Um, we were all, we were all uh, assembled in the auditorium. Uh, the headmaster of the school had the foresight to know this was a, uh, a, a terrible tragedy unfolding, and then we watched the TV with Walter Cronkite um, then announcing that the president was dead.
1: So. Uh... Uh, I noticed, I wanted to tell our listeners, we have so much to cover in a short period of time. You, you were born and raised in Albany, New York, and then you uh, you went to college and university and doctorate studies. But you, one of your specialties was, was assassinations, right?
2: It became uh, uh, an academic pursuit, Gary, uh, in grad school uh, when... Uh, The Zapruder film, which people know about, but a lot of people don't realize that the Zapruder film wasn't shown on nationwide TV for 12 years, which is uh, an an incredible uh, crime in and of itself that that film was not shown uh, immediately after the assassination. Um, Seeing that film for the first time in its entirety clear uh, in grad school uh, got me back into uh, active research research When I graduate, when I had my doctorate and was um, uh, in in Western New England College in Massachusetts, I put a class together that studied American political assassinations. So we were studying the two Kennedys, Dr. King, Lincoln, McKinley Garfield, uh, and even other lesser known assassinations and assassination attempts. And I taught that class for a number of years at two different campuses. So uh, I took it to the classroom and that's I'm, I'm always proud of that.
1: as you know, this is the 50th year and it's been I mean and all the media and publications etc throughout the United States and abroad. but what's the latest percentage of the u.s population that still are interested in the assassination and feel that there's something missing? Do, do you have any feel for that
2: Well, uh, months ago, when people asked me about November of, of 2013, I, I, I made a strong but not a, a bold prediction. It was obvious to me that what people would be seeing in the weeks leading up to November 22nd, tomorrow, um, is uh, a rubber stamping of the Warren Commission. And that's exactly what you're seeing on the networks, uh, what you're seeing with most of the newspapers. Um, In today's USA Today, there is an opinion piece by Oliver Stone, who who raises some of the the major points that are not uh, not a lone assassin theory. Um, The Gallup polls, uh, historically, since 1964, the majority of the American people have believed that there's more than just one person involved in the assassination. Um, They've ranged as high as over 80%. In some years, and now it's a little lower. Uh, CBS's Bob Schieffer, almost uh, gleefully on Sunday, uh, stated that the opinion polls now are only in the fifties. Um, but CBS has always has always endorsed the lone assassin theory, going back to um, uh, their coverage on November twenty second.
1: Well. How, how many years ago you mentioned that the Zabruder film was recently released, and I, I was reading something just recently that we have to wait to the year 2039, the 75 years after the assassination, before more data let, that has been suppressed will be released. Have you heard that one
2: lately? That, well, that was originally true, Gary, with uh, the Warren Commission's files were to be locked up from 1964 when they, they came out with the report. Uh, for 75 years, that's the 2039, and then um, uh, 11 years, uh, 13, make that 14 years later, the House Select Committee on Assassinations finished their work, and their files were to be locked up by the clerk of the House for 50 years, or to 2029. When Stone's movie came out, JFK, a lot of people... Uh, have that on DVD, at the very end where the uh, movie ends and and in the credits, um, before the credits, there's an appeal related to those records, and that that caused the formation of congressional legislation that led to the Records Act Uh, in the early 1990s. It was at the tail end of the Bush administration, the first Bush and the beginning of the Clinton administration. That legislation was passed. The files on um, not only President Kennedy but Dr. King were released by the House Select Committee Assassinations and the Warren Commission files that were still available. Now, what's missing are the CIA files, and um, they withhold them still today because of reasons of national security. Uh, well, if it's a lone nut theory, uh, what possible reasons of national security could there be?
1: Good comment. Um,
2: I- I think one of the problems would be that they'd have to address the issue of the uh, uh, the confirmation that there was a 201 file on Oswald, which means 201 file means an active relationship between a person and the CIA. Um, so um, that's significant. If Oswald uh, was contracted with the CIA, it, it furthers a lot of people's uh, opinions that uh, he was playing some kind of uh, intelligence game uh, leading up to the events on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three.
1: Well, again, I've had a lot of my readers and listeners ask, why in the world would we suppress data? What, what, why would we suppress the government? Suppress? When? Why would the media not want to 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 tell the truth? Is there any other rationale reason? You, you mentioned some of it. National security. What does that mean? I mean, now if it's released, well, it's going to be it's going to be a, a matter of national security.
2: Well, some of, some, of the, some of the cast of characters, not many, are, are still alive. Um, but I, I think it would be major embarrassment. If the, if the truth was totally known on this, it would be major embarrassment, uh, particularly to the CIA. And, um, uh, but back to the media, I think if you look at the events of the weekend and then the subsequent subsequent weeks after the assassination and then the formation of the Warren Commission, um The Warren Commission was uh, appointed by President Johnson. Uh, he asked he asked uh, the Chief Justice to, to form the commission. Uh, they began their work in early 64. Uh, they they originally thought because of the three shell casings found on the sixth floor that um, Kennedy was hit in the back um, Then Connolly was hit separately in the shoulder through his through his um, a rib and his chest, um, and then the third the third shot hit Kennedy in the back of the head and blew out uh, the right side of his head. Um, but then an FBI report came out um, several weeks after the assassination of a shot that hit hit the curb, ricocheted, and hit a spectator by the name of James Tegg. Four shots was a problem for the Warren Commission. So uh, the single bullet theory develops well into 1964. Um, Johnson wanted the report out before the '64 election, so the report comes out in September. One volume uh, of the findings, the 26 volumes of exhibits and testimony don't come out for uh, 18 months afterwards, and only several thousand sets of that were made. So if you get, if you weren't at a college or university, uh, you didn't have access to it in those days. Um, that kind of stuff now could be on a on a DVD, the media endorses the Warren Commission. If you go back and look at the Dallas Morning News or the New York Times or the Boston Globe, uh, those editorials that, that came out in September when the report was released, um, and CBS endorsed it, NBC. Um, and once they've taken that position, they have not turned. They have not turned back to, to open the book and look at it honestly for the 49 years since 1964, and, and that's in place.
1: Has, any, has anybody, Dr. Gordon, ever questioned? I, I was looking at uh, President Johnson's Executive Order 11130. On November the 29th, he established the Warren Commission and picked out, I can't remember how many, nine or so or six individuals, and one of them, wasn't one of them one of the CIA directors, I think his name Dallas. Dulles?
2: It was Alan Dulles. Alan Dulles. Um, you would think and, he and, would have picked and impartial
1: that, people on the, on the particular uh, Warren Commission.
2: Yeah. He certainly wasn't impartial because Kennedy fired him after the Bay of Pigs tobacco. Um, and, the, and your listeners will remember either they study their history or they were around back then like you and I were. That the Bay of Pigs was a, was a, a, an invasion of Cuba by anti Castro Cubans trained by the CIA, a plan that was um, orchestrated in the Eisenhower administration, then passed into the beginning months of the Kennedy administration. Um, Kennedy um, had indicated he would approve the plan, but there would be no uh, no participation of U.S. troops, Navy air cover. Um, in case they, they stumbled into uh, in the ambush or they had problems, and of course they did, they they got mopped up by Castro's uh, Castro's forces very quickly. Um, Kennedy took blame for that after the Bay of Pigs, but then he fired Dulles, Bissell, and Cabell. General Cabell's brother, by the way, was the mayor of Dallas uh, wow. at the time of the assassination. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So the. Uh, Uh, and that goes on if you look at the rest of the administration uh, because he had he had the ire of not only anti Castro Cubans the president did but he had it from the CIA Um, the third leg of that triangle is organized crime and they also uh, were desperate to get back into Cuba because they'd lost a multi probably a multi-billion dollar industry even in those days Um, and uh, The next year, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis, where 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 luckily the president took a different tack than what um, the CIA wanted, as well as the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um, uh, Joint Joint Chiefs wanted to bomb the hell out of Cuba. And, um, of course, Bobby Kennedy makes the famous quote that now he knew how Tojo felt related to Pearl Harbor. We're going to be right back.
1: with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible, you're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by Aber's, Ten Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas.
1: Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour proudly presented by Bears Tending country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my radio show today is a very special guest is Dr. Jack Gordon, professor and Kennedy assassination speaker and consultant. Thank you, Dr. Gordon, for joining us today here on the best of times radio hour.
2: Hi, Gary. Good again to be with you.
1: Well, We've there. We could probably talk for hours and hours. Uh, I want to inform our listeners to go to his website. Doctor Doctor Gordon has a remarkable website. It's www.jackgordonlectures.com. Again, that's www.jackgordonlectures.com dot com for more information. So, 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 going back, one thing I noticed in in your presentations that you emphasize is that medical evidence is that the the key to understanding the john f kennedy assassination is that right
2: it it's absolutely in my mind the key and again this is what is totally being ignored um in the various shows that that, that people are watching and also in the in the media coverage um when i in fact, I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh today at LaRoche College, and I'll be doing a lecture this afternoon. I'm, what I, uh, and we look at the Zapruder film, we look at the single bullet theory, but bottom line, the key is the analysis uh, and the, the description of the president's wounds by the group of Dallas doctors at Parkland Hospital. Um, you won't see this in the movie uh, Parkland that was out briefly and then and then didn't do well in the box office. And I think it's in DVD now. Um, but um, uh, every one of the physicians and the nursing personnel who gave um, quotes to the Warren Commission, not in their not in that one volume report, but in the but in the testimony within the twenty six volumes, uh, describe. Uh, a huge blowout in the back of the president's head, characteristic of an exit wound, not an entrance wound like the like the Warren Commission and also the House Select Committee on Assassinations um, uh, claim. Uh, the other thing those doctors saw was a small, neat hole in the president's throat just above his tie and below his Adam's apple, characteristic of entrance. And um, uh, when they brought the president into the emergency room, And seeing that hole, that is right where uh, that hole was slightly enlarged to put a trach tube in to try to revive him. And, uh, of course, it failed um, at the autopsy, which is not done in Dallas, uh, despite the fact that the county coroner in Dallas, Dr. Rose, believed that that jurisdiction belonged to him. Uh, The decision was made to fly the president's body to Bethesda Naval Hospital, um, there, the throat wound is, uh, when you, you see the, the artist's rendition of it and, and now the purported autopsy photographs, that throat wound is elongated, horizontal, uh, a, a large a large gaping hole that obliterated that original uh, entrance hole, as, as the doc, Dallas doctors claim. So um, their importance cannot be overemphasized. Uh, honorable... Professional physicians, what would they have to gain from lying? Um, but uh, they're they're totally ignored by the media, and the single bullet theory is destroyed when you when you look at the particularly the the beginning hours, where not only the entry wound to the throat, which means a shot from the front, but the back wound to Kennedy uh, was probed by the autopsy physicians at Bethesda with their finger. And they came to the conclusion that that bullet only went in so far and never continued. They they didn't they didn't go on and do a tracking uh, uh, to, to to absolutely determine the track of that bullet, um, but they concluded that that maybe the bullet had worked itself out uh, when external cardiac massage was being applied to the president. Um, and that's supposed to be the magic bullet, which the is supposed bullet. to be found right. Yep, Supposed to, supposed to be found on Connolly's stretcher, and right. that, there's serious question that it was ever connected to Connolly's stretcher. And one of the doctors who's working on Connolly, in a press conference, Dr. Shaw later on says that um, describes the wounds and, and the procedures. He also states that the bullet hasn't been taken out of Connolly's thigh yet. Um, so, a bullet's supposed to be on a stretcher, and it's not out of not out of his thigh yet. Um, the single bullet theory is, is, um, it's ludicrous. It's, it's an absolute joke, but it's still maintained by, um, not only the media today, but, um, uh, some of the, the classic defense, um, writers for the Warren Commission, including Vincent Bugliosi, Gerald Posner, and others. Um, it's a, it's a fairy tale, and, uh, I'm in Pittsburgh today. Probably the best critique of a single bullet theory I've ever heard is from the former county coroner of uh, this Allegheny County here in Pittsburgh, Dr. Cyril Weck, who is a true American hero.
1: So going back to medical evidence, has the full autopsy of John F. Kennedy ever been released?
2: Well, the the autopsy... um, um, at least the, 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 uh, the accounting of the autopsies in the Warren Commission, Doctor Dr. Humes uh, burned his notes uh, in, a, in a, a letter he left, a statement he left. Uh, he burned, or he burned his notes from the autopsy in his fireplace.
1: I wonder why. Um, Did he ever say why?
2: Well, uh, the notoriety of, of the event. I think he, you know, he was it obviously was a, a gruesome experience. Um, uh, the, these naval pathologists were trained, but they n- had never done an autopsy on a gunshot victim before, um, and they were told not to proceed with certain procedures. That you know, whether whether it was uh, where I grew up in Albany or where I am right now, Allegheny County, uh, those uh, those complete procedures in an autopsy would have been done. Um, so, and that's where that's where the the problems begin. Once the once the body leaves Dallas and then goes to Bethesda, then all kinds of problems begin with um, interpretation of the wounds. Uh, and the same issue is there on the sixth floor of the school book depository. What's, what's first reported on the sixth floor uh, becomes something totally different. Um, uh, a rifle changes, uh, changes uh, caliber. And, uh, and and uh, explain uh, that to our listeners.
1: You know, I, I remember about that. Explain to our listeners about the caliber change. The
2: picture, well, the, the rifle picture that, when found, and,
1: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, the original rifle when found by uh, two deputy sheriffs, and then a deputy constable was brought in named Seymour Weitzman, who was the unofficial gun expert in the Dallas Police Force because he had a he had a sporting goods store. Um, <laughs> The original rifle was described as was not only described 7.65, but but uh, uh, that was stamped right on the barrel. And Weitzman signed an affidavit to that effect. Um, that was well chronicled by um, Mark Lane in his book *Rust to Judgment*, forty forty-seven years ago. Um, the, the other thing that that changes, and I show it in my lecture, is. If you look at the photographer who got up on the sixth floor and took pictures of that corner where Oswald's supposed to fire from, um, the boxes are not stacked in any suspicious manner. There's a solid wall of boxes right behind the the window with a a stack of boxes uh, near the window ledge, but there's very little room to maneuver uh, your body between the stack of boxes and the solid wall of boxes when you look at the official... Police photographs on um, Monday morning that were taken, those boxes have shifted around. There's plenty of room to maneuver. The boxes are stacked differently, like it could be a perch for a sniper. The shells that were picked up on Friday afternoon are brought back and thrown on the floor like they were scattered. Um, When uh, on Friday, uh, Roger, Roger Craig, who was one of the deputy sheriff's, said that when he saw the shells at the base of the window, they were no further apart than three of my fingers, uh, front, front to back, in the same direction. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of issues related to this. I, I always say the sniper's nest was created after the assassination and not before. Um, and then one other thing that's important is Oswald. Was he on the sixth floor? I don't think he was. I think he was either in the luncheon room or just outside the luncheon room where he's spotted 90 seconds afterwards by um, Roy Truly, and um, uh, who was the employer of the building, and, and an Officer Baker, who was one of the police officers. They, they encounter him on the first floor just outside the luncheon room with a bottle of Dr. Pepper in hand. Um, one of the critical witnesses on the fourth floor who was with two of her Um, fellow employees of the building, Victoria Adams, um, watched the events unfold from the fourth floor window, went down the stairwell, the same stairwell that Oswald's supposed to have been descending, and uh, is absolutely adamant that they went down all the way down to the bottom, and nobody came from behind them. So that rules out the story of the Warren Commission saying that he he ran down the flight stairs.
0: Wow. Um,
2: so I put him never up on the sixth floor. Uh, and and you even see today with some of the some of the movies like the the Kennedy miniseries that had Greg Kinnear and and Kate Holmes in it. Um, when they show Oswald uh, getting ready to fire from the sixth floor, they they show him eating a lunch. that's the chicken bones and the in the bag and the Coke bottle left behind. Well, that lunch was that lunch was Bonnie Ray Williams's lunch who was up there between twelve and twelve fifteen not Oswald's lunch um Oswald was seen in the luncheon room um, by by um uh, particularly one one other employee of the school book depository well, um, well, Jack, I I one person, up there.
1: one person uh, asked wanted to ask he saw a photo it's uh, released by an a p photographer. That sh- that supposedly shows Lee Harvey Oswald viewing the motorcade as it passed at twelve thirty p.m. Uh, I don't know if you've ever in the,
2: seen,
1: never in, seen that. In the
2: entrance of the building. Yes. Uh, uh, it, uh, that's the Alkins. That's the Alkins press photo. Um, and and that was looked at uh, with great suspicion, particularly when the first critiques started coming out um, after after people had a chance to go through the twenty six volumes and exhibits. Books like Rush to Judgment, Six Seconds in Dallas, and Accessories After the Fact, probably the three first really solid um, bits of research done that took the contrary view to the Warren Commission. But at, in that picture, um, Gary, it's um, um, it, its my conclusion it's Billy Lovelady, who's the, the fellow in, in the in the entrance. Uh, there's still some that, that claim it's Oswald, but... Um, I, I really think it is Billy Lovelady who, who bore a, um, somewhat of a striking resemblance to Oswald. And, um, um, and, and the particular pattern of his shirt, when you blow up that photograph, that, that, um, uh, what researchers look at trying to, to determine whether it is Lovelady or Oswald.
1: We're going to be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by A Bears Ten Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas.
1: Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by Bears, tending country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest is Dr. Jack Gordon, professor and Kennedy assassination speaker and consultant, giving us some insight into the JFK assassination that occurred some, 20, some 50 years ago. So, Dr. Gordon, well, this has been quite interesting and quite informative. One of the most frequent questions I've had lately is, Gary, the investigation by the Warren Commission. Didn't it give us a conclusion of what happened? Didn't they do all the research and interviewed and subpoenaed all these individuals throughout the world and in the United States? Didn't they do the job that uh, a police force should be doing and have done? And what, how do you answer that?
2: Well, and the Warren Commission was was flawed in, in in a couple respects. One of them was um, the time limit, the time constraints that were put upon them. Um, number two was uh, the members, the six members, along with uh, Chief Justice Warren, that makes seven. Um, they were they were also relying on uh, a large number of staff members to do their to do their research, and then those staff members were relying particularly on, on the FBI and the various law enforcement agencies. Um, the Warren Commission was charged, um, you know, really really wasn't charged with the question uh, who killed President Kennedy. They'd already concluded it was Lee Harvey Oswald. So they were looking more at, um, uh, you know, confirming the number of shots, uh, trying to uh, indicate that there wasn't any conspiracy, proving there was no link between Oswald and Ruby. Which, uh, in my mind, they never did. Um, so they, going, they going back, the
1: Warren th- Commission already had it already had it dictated to them that Oswald was guilty. I I, I didn't yes. remember that. Wow.
2: Yes. Yeah. They, so they, uh, he was presumed they, they,
1: guilty until no no other evidence, right?
2: Until well, they didn't have no, to validate it. No representation. There's no representation for Lee Harvey Oswald on the Warren Commission. No, Mark Lane, who I re- referenced earlier, tried tried to um, to make the case that he would he would represent um, Oswald before the commission and um, and the House Select Committee on Assassinations never really had um, uh, a defense attorney uh, just tear apart the evidence, uh, which which could have been done. Um, so. I mean, the Warren Commission, uh, in many ways, uh, was hamstrung because of the time constraint, but, um, I mean, they also, they also didn't approach it properly. I think they, you, you basically should have started with who killed President Kennedy and, and, uh, and approach it as an unsolved murder case. Um, they're not alone, by the way. I mean, you look at the Life magazine photograph of, of Oswald, um, uh, from February 21st, 1964 that a lot of people have in their drawer they saved 49 years ago or 49 and a half years ago um, that's, a, that's a picture that has a caption on it that says Lee Oswald with the weapons he used to kill President Kennedy and Officer Tippett that word allegedly is not in the caption and um, these are pic- this is a picture that was presented to Oswald when he was still under interrogation and still alive and he became very vehement uh, that he could prove that uh, that picture and another one were phonies. Um, of course, he never got the chance to do it.
1: One other question I have that one of my listeners uh, contacted me. Wasn't a paraffin, done generally when a when a suspected person is using a gun and, and kills and hurts somebody, they do a paraffin test, right? The test if they fire... They do, them.
2: and and that's interesting if you, there's a there's a documentary that was done in 1966 that compiled a lot of the uh, <clears throat> the, the various tv footage of that weekend and and also interviewed witnesses called um, it was called rush to judgment which is which was also the name of Mark Lane's book it's a documentary produced by a french director named emile De Antonio, and one of the segments in there is that question. That question is put to the chief of police, Jesse Curry. Has there been a paraffin test done on Oswald? Curry's response, no, there hasn't been. We're going to do it, and we believe it will be positive. That's an interesting reply, um, that he's already made the conclusion it's going to be positive. It turned out to be negative.
1: There was one done? Yes. And yeah. it was negative. So tell our listeners what does a negative paraffin test mean?
2: Well, again, I'm not I'm not an expert in law enforcement. My understanding of paraffin tests is it doesn't uh, they're not necessarily conclusive or not. But what they what it does, uh, paraffin being a form of wax, when applied to the cheek, it would be able to pick up any residue of um, gunpowder from and, and Suggest that whether someone had fired a rifle or uh, a weapon um, in that in that uh, time period.
1: Wow! Well, one other aspect I noticed in your in your on your website, you say that something regarding Robert Kennedy. What what? Well, what, is there something you do you feel that Robert was on the verge of finding something out?
2: I think, uh, and this gets to. In the brief amount of time we have left, uh, the listeners really need to read books that are accurate and well researched, and not Bill O'Reilly's piece of trash, "Killing Kennedy," <laughs> um, which he which he purports to be history, and it's embarrassing to describe that as history. There's a book called Brothers, written by an author named David Talbot, that really the book starts uh, with Robert Kennedy hearing about his brothers. Um, death from J. Edgar Hoover, and um, Robert Kennedy instantly um, uh, points points the finger at the CIA, not publicly, but in his own mind. And the in the book really chronicles well these conflicts that the two Kennedy brothers had during the presidency. And then his mission, really, from that point on, uh, for the next four and a half years trying to track down who his brother's real murderers were. And um, even recently, I mean, when I was doing my class, I interviewed some of the Kennedy campaign workers, uh, some of the family, and they they always were bothered and thought there was more to it, but they were not confident or um, willing to go public with that information. Recently, uh, at, at least three of Bobby's kids have, had had. Uh, have expressed their doubts, not only their doubts, but their father's doubt, Robert Kennedy's doubts, about the Warren Commission. Um, the other book that I highly suggest people read is called JFK and the Unspeakable by James Douglas. And um, that really will get not only to the events of the president's um, administration, but uh, how the assassination was put together and why. Uh, very well written, um, and, um, and, the, and, and really I think when people think of President Kennedy, they often, they often think of the, the inaugural speech of, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Uh, if you read JFK and the Unspeakable, you come to the conclusion, as I did 40 years ago, that the greatest speech that he ever made was the speech to American University in June of '63, where where it really he was calling for an all-out effort for world peace, and um, and that ticked off a number of people as as you will as you will read in Douglas's book.
1: Wow, that's remarkable. Well thank you Dr Gordon for being part of our radio show today you were remarkable hopefully the insight hopefully this will be solved in the in the years to come uh, i think it will be uh, there's still a lot of people out there I uh, have so many questions. Every time I, I, we've been featuring in our magazine and we've had so many people that said, you know, that needs that we need to address it. Yes or no conclusion. It's still so many questions. Mine and in, in, uh, Americans throughout the throughout the United States and in the world. So uh, thank you for your time today, and as I mentioned to our listeners, go to his website at www.jackgordonlectures.com. Thank you again, Dr. Gordon, and best wishes to you for a happy Thanksgiving and uh, holiday season.
2: Thanks. Thanks, Gary. And um, one last bit. Um, Remember the second verse of America the Beautiful, where it's America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul with self-control, thy liberty in law. And remember those words, because wow. that, that's really crucial related to the future of our democracy.
1: That is true. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Have a great day. You bet. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears tenant country, of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Collegas.
1: Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour here on News Radio 710 Kill. Thank you for listening to our show today. Join us next Saturday for another great radio show to learn information that can benefit you or your loved ones. Please do thank our sponsors and advertisers who do support our radio show and our news magazine, The Best of Times. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the December issue, The Best of Times, at one of our 528 distribution locations. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Again, thank you for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day.
0: Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Kiel join us again next Saturday at nine for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Kiel, K-E-E-L, Shreveport-Mosier.